everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. Some of you might be wondering, because you know me well, if you've been coming to the church for any length of time, that it's fairly unusual for me to be wearing a suit coat. Uh, there's one of, the, one of the kids is like, why are you wearing a suit? Well, today we celebrate, who knows, Pentecost. Yes, so uh, what is Pentecost? A few people asked me. I will explain that in a minute, but I'm wearing the suit because I want you to know this is one of the most important celebrations in the church calendar year. Uh, it ranks up there with Christmas and Easter. It's definitely a top three. In a way, like I mentioned last week, we celebrate the birthday of the church. If the Holy Spirit doesn't come on Pentecost, there is no church. The ministry of Jesus does not continue because a few like men and women with minimal education aren't going to create a movement. And we've seen that the church has outlasted every other kingdom uh, because the church is God's people and we're seeking Jesus' kingdom. So um, I would love for you guys to have Bibles in your hands today. Uh, and there, I just noticed today there's not only Bibles in the back, there's Bibles on the side tables too. And that's because we'll read much of the Pentecost story. And I, I think different people will engage in different ways. Like maybe you want to circle words and that's totally cool even though, you know, you're borrowing a Bible. Uh, that, that's one of the ways I engage uh, as I read or as I listen. Other ways to engage would be using your imagination, uh, closing your eyes, focusing on a word. So while, while you get those Bibles, uh, I have one announcement today, and uh, I, this is a really happy thing, and this won't be news to everybody in the room, but Allison and I will be taking a sabbatical over the course of the summer. That means we're taking a break. We uh, need a rest. There's been a lot of hard things that have happened, but uh, we want to just make sure we're caring for ourselves. Allison's sabbatical actually starts June 1st, so she'll be away. Yes, so thank you. <laughs> Um, we announced this to the leaders uh, this past week and just felt a lot of support and love from them. Uh, so she's in nursery now and will be teaching second session afterwards. So if you want to say, like, goodbye for a little while, you better snag her, not between service and second session because she needs to get in the room. But, um, you know, at least she we won't be in service during our sabbatical. That's not because we don't love you. And it's not like we're cutting anybody off from friendship. It's that uh, when we come into the room, it's very hard not to get back into the, you know, the ministry of things. And so Allison is on sabbatical June and July. I'm starting my sabbatical in July. Um, and even though I won't be here next week because we're at the beach, <laughs> uh, at the shore, we'll be back, I'll be back uh, the next few weeks in June. So just wanted to let you know, Steph will kind of help you find help if you need it. But I want to remind you and encourage you that because you have friends in the room, uh, if you're in life group, you have 
a support system. You have a leader who cares for you, who we actually believe life group leaders bring pastoral presence, uh, not just in the group, but as you guys live life together. So it's really important over the summer that you just totally don't disconnect from your community because that's when things can start to go a little haywire. Things go bad. Things, you know, you lose your rhythms anyway, especially if you have school-aged kids. But uh, don't lose your friendships, okay? Don't lose connection with people. The tendency can be to isolate when things get hard, especially when you don't have the established rhythms. So my encouragement to you while we're on sabbatical is do what you do so well and be friends with each other and love each other and support each other and care for each other. So I will start by inviting up Isaiah to read, first of all, in Acts chapter 1. This is the beginning of the book of Acts, and it really looks forward to the day of Pentecost. Keep walking, keep walking. Where did I put that microphone? Could you grab that microphone after that chair? Thanks. Uh, yeah, come up on the stage. Why not? So we'll read a section. I'll give a little commentary uh, then we'll read another section. And like I said, maybe the best way for you to engage with the reading of the scripture is to circle things, underline things, to close your eyes, read along, whatever is best for you. Sort of like on Christmas, we read through the Christmas story. Today, we're going to be reading through the story of Pentecost. So go ahead, Isaiah. Oh, yes. Oh, wait, for this one, could you guys stand? We won't stand for all the readings, but uh, we we believe that we honor God and his word just by standing and uh, we, we pray that the Spirit would come and fill our lives with his truth and with his power. Go ahead. The promise of the Holy Spirit. In my first book, I told you, that's quite the name. Theophilus. Theophilus. <laughs> About everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. After he talked, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Thank you. You guys can have a seat. You're not old enough to groan while you... St- I, 
I was at the park yesterday and I got up off the ground from changing one of Aviva's diapers and I go, oh, and some kids looked at me like, what's wrong with him? And I just said, this is the sound that old people make when they get up off the ground. Uh, that has nothing to do with the topic of today. So uh, th this is after Jesus' death, after Jesus' resurrection. He appears to the disciples and uh, hundreds of other people to show that he is no longer in the grave, uh, that he is risen from the dead, and he promises to his disciples that he will send his spirit. Remember last week, Jesus says, I won't leave you as orphans. I won't abandon you. You won't be by yourself. And in another place, he actually says, it's better that I go because then the Holy Spirit will come. And so what we will read in the next section is that the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. And uh, what, if you're wondering what Pentecost is or what Pentecost means, Pentecost simply means 50. Uh, in the Greek, it's 50 days after the celebration of Passover. Uh, so like 50 days after the night of Jesus' betrayal, because on Passover night, Jesus is celebrating Passover. Uh, well, dinner with his disciples, the Passover meal, when he uh, serves bread and says, this is my body and wine and says, this is my blood, right? So 50 days after Passover, that's actually a Jewish festival, uh, Pentecost being the Greek name of the Jewish festival, but the Hebrew name for it is, does anybody know? Bible trivia time. Shavuot, which clears up everything I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the, the thing about Shavuot is uh, what we'll find on Pentecost is there's several powerful metaphors. Uh, there's very rich imagery, and Shavuot is the festival where the Jewish people would celebrate the harvest. And so Jesus talks often about how in his kingdom there is a time of harvest. There is a time of gathering people like you gather wheat to bring home. It's a, it's a metaphor for what it means to make disciples. Uh, so, for instance, Jesus says at one point, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And so one of the, one of the main images here is in the kingdom on Pentecost, we're seeing a harvest. We're seeing the mission of God begin. Uh, as, as Acts put it, uh, Acts chapter 1 put it, Luke says, who writes Acts as well, in my last book I told you about all that Jesus began to do. And the implication is that Jesus continues to bring his kingdom, continues to do his work, continues to make disciples of his through the church, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus' work is not yet done, and he chooses to use his people to accomplish it. And so with that, can I uh, invite Eddie up to read the first few verses of chapter 2? There he is. Like I said, you guys can stay sitting for this one. If you'd like to, um, again, close your eyes or whatever, that's cool. And, and oh, before you start, uh, one of the things that's significant about Shavuot is it's one of the pilgrim festivals for the Jewish people. By that... It means that wherever you lived, if you were a Jew, you're supposed to walk to Jerusalem, which actually wasn't a big deal if you lived in Israel, because Israel's like the size of New Jersey. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's not that big. But people are coming. Uh, Eddie, you got the hardest little passage. 
I know, I was looking at you. You like all those little names, you can just skip them if you want, of where people are coming from. They're coming from all over the Roman Empire, okay? Yeah. When you get to that part, you just say, Amos said I could skip this, or just jump down. All right, go ahead, Eddie. Um, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, what looked like flames or tongues of, of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. As the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At the time, there were, were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear from them speaking in other native languages. Here we are. Uh, I'm going to skip this part. <laughs> from all over the place, visitors from Rome, uh, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in their own languages about wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're drunk, that's all. So a few more images that are added to the idea of harvest. They're wind, and fire. So again, very powerful images. Images associated with the work of God, uh, or more specifically, the presence of God. So can, you, can anybody remember a time in the Old Testament where wind is used to describe the Spirit of God? Okay, so, yeah. The Spirit of God is hovering over the waters, yes, right? That's true. So there's, this, there's a creative element. I'm thinking of the scariest page in any kid's Bible. If it's a comprehensive one, it'll tell the story of Ezekiel and the dry bones. And there's this like zombie-like scene where there's this valley of dry bones. And it's representing, we find out, the, the state of Israel, like the not the state like nation of Israel, but like the condition of Israel, the condition of their hearts, the condition of their souls. And so God says, prophesy to these bones, tell them to come and form back into bodies. And so they grow flesh, but they're not yet alive. And we won't go to the book of Ezekiel right now, but then God says, prophesy to the wind. And the wind comes, and it says the breath of God goes into these dead bodies, and now they live. And so the word wind and breath and spirit are all the same word. And so there's this idea that with the wind, with the breath of God, with the spirit of God, there is restoration. There is uh, life where there was death. And so on the day of Pentecost, there's the sound of wind, and these these Jewish men and women knew their Bibles and they would be thinking, I wonder if this is what Elijah prophesied about. 
I wonder if that time where our hope was lost and we only lived in despair is is coming true today. And so part of the imagery, part of one of the layers of meaning of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit comes to give you renewed spiritual life, to fill you with hope because God puts his breath in you like he did in Genesis 1 and 2 when he breathes into Adam and Eve like he does in Ezekiel 37 when he breathes on those dry and dusty bones. And then there's fire. This one's a little easier. Where does fire come up in the Bible? Grayson. Yeah, it represents God's spirit. Can you think of a story in the Old Testament that uh, there's fire representing God's spirit? The burning bush. Yeah, so there's an example. Again, the, the presence of God appears to Moses in the form of fire that doesn't actually burn up the bush. And God speaks out of this fire. And he brings the salvation of his people through his chosen ones. What else? Elijah, fire, Fire comes down from heaven, another display of God's power. God is defeating, showing his authority over the the paganism of the day, right? In this case, it's the worshipers of Baal are basically shown to be frauds, or at least Baal is impotent if there is a real spiritual power behind him. Like Baal doesn't compete with Israel's God. Another place is uh, right in in the wilderness, people of Israel are led by a pillar of fire and the pillar of fire actually comes and lands on the tabernacle in the center of the camp. And if you think about fire, there's, there's very few things that have more power. The sun is a giant ball of flame. The reason you can cook your cheeseburgers this afternoon or tomorrow, whenever, whenever cheeseburgers happen for you or veggie burgers uh, it's because of fire. Like it's one of the, the the main powers behind life and civilization. And so it's no coincidence that the Holy Spirit here is represented as fire because with the Spirit comes power and with the Spirit comes light. And with the Spirit, uh, some of you have actually experienced this. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit feels very close, you experience heat, like I don't think it's a coincidence that people are having a hard time describing what it's like when the Spirit comes. But they say it's like there's this wind, and it's like there's this fire, and so there's this display of power. And one of the miracles is that these disciples of Jesus start speaking languages that they don't know. And people from all over the like the Roman Empire at this point uh, are able to understand the message about Jesus. But there's also, it seems like there's something else going on that's just a little strange, doesn't it? Because the onlookers say what? These people, are they drunk? Like, are they, it could be like that they're stumbling around 
It could be that they're, they're experiencing like the weight of God's glory in such a way that from an outside perspective, they look a little drunk. And again, if you've, at some point in your life, I know people in this room have experienced God drawing so close that it, it's like they couldn't stand, or maybe you feel a little weak in the knees. So there's something a little bit strange about what the Holy Spirit is doing here. But it is, it is through this, this miraculous gift of tongues, but also a felt experience by the people who are receiving the message that God chooses to advance his kingdom, advance the, his way and his will and, and the, the news about the person of Jesus. With this display of power comes a message. There needs to be explanation for what's going on here. And so Peter stands up. And Elizabeth, that's your cue to stand up as well. So what you'll find in Acts is that there is miracle after miracle after miracle. There's signs and wonders and things that could only be explained by the activity of God. But then there's always uh, a moment where the good news, where the gospel is shared. So go ahead, Elizabeth. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. That's a joke, I think. Peter's telling exactly. a joke. That's so the, the past, he tells the first pastor joke. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew that what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from back from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. Thank you. So Peter is first explaining why or what's happening and that it's the Spirit. So if you've ever prayed for someone and something a little strange happens or they experience that God draws close, it's important to explain, I think what you're experiencing might be the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you've had that happen to you before where there's just something about walking into a church service that causes you to break down crying. Like that's, that's God meeting you. I want you to know that God like wants friendship with you. And, and here, Peter is saying the stuff, the stuff with the the, the spirit being poured out was predicted. Like this, this is the prophet Joel. It says, this is crazy. In the last days, this will happen. So if you've ever seen um, one of those people holding a sign that says, repent, the end is near. 
uh, actually, the end is here. And it's been here for 2,000 years because on the day of Pentecost, that's, that's where heaven and earth begin to overlap and interlock and the presence of God becomes available to, to anybody, we'll read, who turns, who repents, who orients their life toward Jesus. And so the message that comes is, first of all, here's what's happening. Here's what, why we shouldn't be surprised that the Holy Spirit has come, that God's very presence is among us. Uh, so don't think that they're drunk. This is something spiritual that's going on. Uh, but also, it's all about Jesus. It's not, I mean, he, he summarizes it here. He condenses it down. But he's summarizing like all the stuff that Jesus did from his ministry to his teachings on the kingdom from, to his resurrection. And so with that, Josh, could you come up and read this last little section of Acts 2 for us? Thanks, man. So let everyone know, no, let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent your sins and turn to God and be baptized in his name, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift for the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. To all who have been called by the Lord our God, and Peter continued preaching for a long time, <laughs> strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from the crooked generation. Those who believe what Peter said, they were baptized and added to the church about 300,000 in all. Oh, 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostle teachings and to the fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles and signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Thanks, oh. man. Perfect. No, that's exactly right. So with the presentation of power, along with other miracles that we see coming in the future that are pointed to here, Peter calls the crowd to repentance. And so for, for a lot of people, you, you divide humanity into two groups, right? There's the good people. They do mostly good things. Uh, they're selfless. They're sacrificial. And then there's the bad people, right? They're selfish and they cut me off in traffic and they steal and they cheat and they lie or whatever. The Bible doesn't actually use this category. The Bible actually teaches that we're all in the bad people group. Every single person is in need of repentance. And so the Bible actually divides people between the proud and the humble. The people who are willing to say, I'm sorry. I need to turn my life around. 
My life has started to drift away. My heart has started to wander. I need to repent. But in that repentance, you receive a gift. And part of that gift is forgiveness. But did you hear? Part of that gift is that you receive God's very spirit. And so here at the Vineyard, uh, we would say that at the moment that you repent, and then a natural thing to do after you repent is to be baptized, at least according to the Bible, and then to join a community, to gather together, to sing songs, and be generous with one another, and share, and also continue preaching the message. And it's all centered around the person of Jesus, and enlivened and empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's significant that anybody who repents receives the Holy Spirit. So if you've put your trust, if you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you. But then there's also a sense that the Holy Spirit can fill us in a special way. Even for the disciples. While Jesus, before Jesus' death, he breathes on his disciples and they receive the Holy Spirit. But then on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fills them. They are filled with power. So if you have your Bibles, uh, let's jump to Ephesians chapter 5. Yeah, here we go. At the vineyard, we think that there are many fillings. Like you're baptized like by the Holy Spirit once in the sense that he, he enters you. He fill like he he surrounds you like the Holy. You really have the Holy Spirit, but there's like there's a filling. There's like a the volume gets turned up in a sense. The Holy Spirit saturates all of your being at certain times. And so in uh, Ephesians chapter five verse seven eighteen, it says, "Don't be drunk on wine because that will ruin your life," um, or "Don't don't be a drunk" is maybe a way to read that. Instead. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And verse 20, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This this is a Greek command that has an element of ongoing action. So it's not just be filled and be done with it. It's keep on being filled. And so our response uh, to this command, which is, again, another interesting piece of this, is not something that we can actually do on our own. It's a weird verb in that it's something that we participate in. It's called the middle tense. So it's not something that we can just, we can't actually fill ourselves with the Spirit. But we can cooperate and we can ask And we can put our hearts in a receptive place to receive a filling of the Holy Spirit. Because this is how Jesus brings us back to life through his Spirit. This is how Jesus empowers us to become not only part of his harvest, but harvesters. This is how Jesus, through both word and deed through both presentation of power 
and presentation of the gospel, God builds his kingdom and enlarges his family. And so I want to invite you all to stand. For the next, say, 10 minutes, we're going to participate in what we call ministry time. And this is a time in our service where we give the Holy Spirit permission to come and to meet us. So if you're from a different church tradition or maybe not from a church tradition, just be open and sensitive to what you sense God is doing in your own heart. Uh, maybe it's just a time of reflection and contemplation, a time of quiet where you can be in the presence of God, orienting your heart toward him and what you've heard. But I think in particular today, there's an invitation for people to receive a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Because maybe you relate to the imagery of the dry bones. Or maybe you're just feeling stirred up, like I know I need more of God. I know that I want to participate with him in what he's doing in my family, in my workplace, and in my neighborhood. And guys, we need the Spirit's help. And so we say, come Holy Spirit. We surrender. Unconditionally, we say, we want you to come. God, we ask right now that you would increase our faith. Fill us with expectation. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.